0: So in our family, we have this one sacred time in the week. It's Sunday evenings. It's our family time. And that's when we know we can have our one dinner together a week. And we always begin with sharing our lows and our highs. We did this because Charlie and I did youth ministry together for over 10 years. And this is what we would do with our students every week. We would, we would ask them to come prepared to share like the low of their week and the high of their week. And we knew then that it would be the one time that every person in the room had to share something that was going on. And as I reflected on these times with my family, I realized that most of the lows they have to do with plans that are coming up. So it's a test that's coming up in the week. It's another early morning band rehearsal. It's, for me, it would be anything related to the dentist, which I think is, is the enemy of, of all things. <laughs> it seems that most of the lows have to do with plans that we have for the future. And then the, the highs, in contrast, are about the things that we're looking forward to in the future, so it's almost Labor Day, it's almost celebration, there, there is, you know, it's going to be any moment before the temperature drops below 95, <laughs> SEC football is back. It, there's just so many things to look forward to and I realized that, oh my gosh, just like the lows, the highs have to do with the plans that we have in the future. So then it made me think, do we just need to plan better? Is, is it as simple as that? Is it just that, oh, I just need to make sure that the good plans outweigh the bad plans? How do you do plans? Are you a list maker? It's okay, I know that there are some of you that make your list during the sermon. I used to do it too. I used to do it too. I'm wondering how many of you out there have a whiteboard in your kitchen and you redo the menu every week. There are those of you that are that organized. Um, I wonder if you're one of those that you have so much going on that if someone asked you if you were available tomorrow, you could not function if you could not pull out your phone and look at that calendar on your phone. But I want us to go deeper than that. Not just about like what's the plans that you have for tomorrow, but when was the last time that any of us sat down by ourselves and thought, what's, what am I really planned for in the future? Like, where am I headed? Where where is God taking me? And what direction should I be going? And I have a feeling, if you're like me, it's been a long time. That you've really thought about what's coming up and where is God bringing me? You see, I have heard since my school days that to plan for your future to be right You just have to make the right choice. Make the right choice and the future will be bright. I'm just not sure it's that simple that it's just making one right choice and then everything will fall into place. We're going to turn to the book of Proverbs to give us some wisdom to answer. What do we do about these plans that we are making? So we turn to the 16th chapter of the book of Proverbs and here the wisdom. The plans of the mind belong to mortals, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All one's ways may be pure in one's own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything. For its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. All those who are arrogant are an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, they will not go unpunished. By loyalty and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one avoids evil. When the ways of people please the Lord, he causes even their enemies to be at peace with them. Better is a little with righteousness than large income with injustice. The human mind plans the way, but the Lord directs the steps. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Make the right choice, Emily. It seems so simple and it makes it seem like there's just two options. There's the right choice and then there's the wrong choice just to be sure, to choose the right one and then everything will be okay. I was talking with a church member this week who said to me, I just hope our family makes the right choice. I don't think that the author of Proverbs is talking about making the right choices of things that might be trivial, like, you know, you're in the Chick-fil-A line, do you order the regular chicken sandwich or do you order the spicy chicken sandwich. Even though I do think God cares about those little trivial choices that we make, I don't believe that that's what the author of Proverbs is referring to here. I think the author of Proverbs is talking about the choices that we make that affect how we daily live our lives with the people around us. And how do we plan for those daily choices for our week? for our season of life that we're in? How do we set goals for our lives and the lives of those who we are responsible for? And then what is the guiding force for directing those things? This is what the the scripture says. The scripture says, the human mind plans the way, but the Lord directs the steps. You see, the author is very clear to let us know two things. We are humans and we can plan whatever the heck we want. We have free choice. We can make all of the plans that we want, but it is the Lord that directs the steps. So I wonder when you hear that word direct, like what image comes to mind? Do you imagine like a puppet master? Like God is up there in some faraway place and is like, ooh, let's see what we can conjure up today. Like let's see what kind of drama, as if God like has has directing us towards things that would be entertaining for God. No, that is not what it means for God to be the director. The Hebrew word here for direct is is kun. It means the one who establishes, the one who provides for, the one who furnishes. It is the Lord that directs the steps. Another thing you could imagine as God as the director is as if it was like God is, is the producer, the one who sets the scene, has, has casted the right characters with just the right gifts and then sits back in that producer chair and just lets it unfold. No, this is, this is not how our God is. God is neither puppet master nor movie producer. So what do our choices even matter? What do our plans even matter? My favorite theologian in the whole world, Frederick Buechner, he passed away this past week. And I'm just going to be honest. The reason he's my favorite is because he was the first theologian who I read his autobiography. I read his memoir. And you know, when you have this super brainy, very smart, theologically godly person, and then you find out their stuff, It just draws you in. And so in his book, it's called Telling Secrets. I highly recommend it to you all. I have several copies. You can come borrow it from me. In the opening chapter of his book, he says that he and his brother were upstairs playing in their bedroom. And his father went downstairs and took his own life in the garage with with them playing upstairs. And then the mother tells the boys... You're not allowed to talk about it. This was the first secret of their family. They were not allowed to talk about the death. She went so far as to move the family to Bermuda. And within a year of living in Bermuda, Beekner says he couldn't remember what his dad looked like. A secret. So tucked away. And he goes on to talk about how his life went on. He became a theologian. He got married. He had these precious children. And everything was going just fine. He was making all of the right choices. And then when his daughter entered her teenage years, she stopped eating. And then all of a sudden, things start to surface for him. And he's one day, he's in his study, and he gets this call from the doctor, and the doctor says, unless we start feeding her against her will, she will die. And he's telling this story, and he says he's looking at this picture in his office, and it's of the cowardly lion from The Wizard of Oz. And, and Beekner realizes, that's me. I'm the cowardly lion, and my paws are tied So his daughter ends up getting better. That's the good news. But as Beekner is providing and trying to hold the family together, he actually gets much worse. And he says that he realizes he himself has been, he stopped feeding himself as a, a human, his soul. And he was starving for light in the midst of this darkness. And as you're reading the memoir, you realize he starts to question all of the choices that he had made. What could he have done differently as a father? What should his father have done differently? He thinks about, you know, I made all of those choices for my family with God in mind. I, I was righteous. I was fighting for justice, just like the the proverb says, I did it without arrogance. And he's wrestling. He's wrestling the whole time. It's like, so where was God in the midst of all of those plans that we had made and those choices? And this is where Beekner lands. He says, you know, God acts in your and my brief histories, not as the puppeteer who sets the scene and works the strings, but rather as the great director who no matter what role fate casts us in, conveys to us somehow from the wings. If we have our eyes, our ears, our hearts open, and sometimes even if we don't, God conveys how we can play these roles in a way to enrich and ennoble and hollow the whole vast drama of things, including our own small but crucial parts in it. Make the right choice, it seems so simple. Buechner reached a point in his faith where he realized that no matter what had happened, no matter what was happening in the moment, and no matter what would happen in the future, that our loving God had been there, had been there encouraging, had been there present, had been there prodding. And I love that image of God in the wings of our lives, whispering to us, maybe motioning to us, just believing in us, and all God is doing in that moment is I am here, whether you made the right choice or the wrong choice. Make the right choice, Emily, I was told. It can make us feel like there's only two options, and it's like one of those options involves God and one doesn't. The proverb reminds us that in the midst of all of our choices, there is the possibility of right and wrong. What is important is in then all those choices, in every single choice we make, God is present. Listen to what the proverb says. The Lord made everything for its purpose, even the wicked, for the day of trouble. All the plans, all the choices, there is nothing that God says, "Oh, um, nope, not for me. That one I'm just going to kind of leave to some other eternal force in the universe everything that happens has a purpose. Every choice we make, God is present, and God is so involved in our lives, still directing our steps, present in every single choice we make, the wise ones and the really foolish ones. Because the Spirit of God is not bound by the choices that we make. The Spirit of God is a lack active and alive within believers and with the lives of all people, even when they do not know it. And so I want to tell you, if any of you are facing a major decision right now, or maybe it will be in your next season of life, be assured of this, no matter what you choose, God is with you. Our God is in the wings. It might be whispering to you in the quiet of a sanctuary, God might shout at you through the loving words of an honest friend. It could even be a bumper sticker you read when you're stuck in traffic. Our God is alive and at work in each of our lives every step of the way. May it be so in my life and in yours.